Hey everyone, Joe Soto here, and I am extra excited for today's show. I've got a very special guest with me today. We were, uh, we have the honor of bringing on Ramy Al Batrawi, and um, this is the guy that defines been there, done that in a big way. He answers the question, can you really think and grow rich with a resounding yes? And throughout his journey of 48 years, during which he lost and regained his fortune, not once, but uh, more than once, several times, actually, you're going to learn how he applied the principles of Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich to achieve extraordinary success. And that's quite honestly an understatement um, from what you're going to hear from this guy to create what he calls an extraordinary life. And he believes that each and every one of you can have that as well. So stay right with me. We're going to come right back with uh, with Ramey, and you guys will not be sorry that you're here for this episode today. Tell your friends, share the video out, and we're going to get started here in a moment. This is the Not Your Average Joe Show, where each week we bring you sales, marketing, and mindset strategies you need to get to your next level. And now, here's your host, international business mentor, Joe Soto. Ramey, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you here. I don't know that anyone knows what they're in store for, but we're going to lay it on them. Uh, you recently, you wrote a new book based on your incredible story and how you applied the timeless principles of the great, late, great Napoleon Hill, principles from his book, Think and Grow Rich. He obviously has written, obviously, a lot of other books. However, your book um, tells your story. And I want to give people a glimpse of that story on the show today. Uh, everyone, you know, I don't really, I don't tell people to just like they have to buy a book very often. This no. is a book you have to buy. You said something in an interview I watched, Ramey, that people who will read this book won't, won't be the same person when they're done reading the book. All right. Um, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So the uh, first of all, I'm going to hold up the book. I don't have a hard copy of the book yet because I'm still waiting for my copy to arrive. But look what I got. I've got I've got the Kindle version and it allowed me to highlight, take notes and do all kinds of really, really, uh, really important things that I needed to do to retain this. Because this is one of those books where I felt like I was highlighting every other sentence that reflected the mindset that you've adopted from your time with Napoleon Hill. But let's let's back up. You were. Um, you achieved your first uh, million-dollar business when you were 17, but you were 12 years old when you ended up in Tampa. Why don't you give us a little backstory for how all this got started? Uh, where where did the where did the principles come from? How did you learn about them at such a young age? Well, I was uh, I was 12 years old, and uh, I don't know how, but this guy gave me this book. I don't remember why or what. And I read. I, start, I was starting to read the book, and and I was I was in school, and I was a kid everybody beat up on, and I had no friends. And but when I was reading the book, I, I was as resonating with everything it said. And and the good thing about being that young, you're kind of dumb enough, and uh, <laughs> and you haven't had the world affect your thinking yet. That I just kind of believed everything it said, and I kind of read it over and over and over, and. And I read about 20 times. And one of the biggest things that Napoleon Hill says in that book is don't procrastinate. So I just said, shit, I could spend another three years in high school, four years in college, seven years. And I'd wait to do what I need to do then. I said, or I could leave right now. What can I accomplish in those seven years? So I just uh, 
packed up this little bag, hopped in the, uh, uh, I just decided to leave and uh, just hitchhiked and ended up in Tampa, Florida, because I knew I wanted to be in America. And luckily it only took two rides and a guy was headed to Tampa and I ended up in Tampa and no money, but I had the book and I had confidence that I know I could do it. I know it's going to be a journey and just started sleeping under underpasses and different places, showering in the back of gas stations and things like that until I uh, kept on trying things. And, and but at 17, I figured, finally figured out something that finally worked that made money. Well, and let's let's talk a little bit about that. So you're 17. You and I, I yeah. would encourage people to get the book to get the full story, just in the interest right. of time. But you you talk about finding a need and filling it. That's one of your your keys right. to success. Um, yeah. You already touched on one of the time. keys. Yeah, you already touched on the, one of the keys, which is the confidence that you had, right. and and, and uh, reading Napoleon Hill and how that kind of inspired that confidence that in that insatiable belief that you had that you could actually achieve something you became you you built a million dollar business when you were 17 then right yeah right so so i was at this uh, walking by this uh zares department store which is like a kmart or or walmart back then they had like 260 stores in the east coast they're out of business right now and uh and, and then in front of the store, it was around Christmas time. I saw this guy blowing glass swans and he's selling a lot of these glass swans and stuff. So I, just, so I started talking to him. He said, yeah, he's there for the season. And, uh, and I was thinking, well, the rest of the year, you got all this traffic. Let me figure out what there is that people need that I can, I can have this spot and make money with. And I went into the store, asked some employees, what do, what do people ask for that uh, you don't have? And a few people said, uh, uh, where people ask if we cut keys and we don't do that. So I said, no, that's a, that's a business I should do. So um, I went and bought a used key machine and for 50 bucks. I got, got a table from a junkyard, got a register from uh, this restaurant I, I walked by. And I went to the guy with, with the key blanks, bought like $10 key blanks, told him, show me how to cut keys and I'll buy all my key blanks for you from you. And I'm going to be opening up a whole bunch of stores. And uh, so I went to the store manager after that. It took me a little while, a lot of rejection. of let me have the spot for like 20%, and uh, he finally did. And uh, I started my first uh, first store. I made 600 the first week, and then within a year, I was in 250 stores. <laughs> within a year. And then yeah. then uh, tragedy happens. They figure out that they could take over that business on their own. You probably didn't have the right lease agreement or business agreement with them at age 17. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't even have a, a, any lease agreement. Zero. Right. I just went in there. I just went another word. I just thought I didn't yeah. know business well enough. I just I was just so excited. I was generating money, doing things. I was just, just going by and going and going, and all of a sudden they saw I was making on their, They were making a lot in their twenty percent, and uh, I said, "Well, we'll just do it on our own. Give me thirty day notice," and threw me out, and I was bro- broke again. Uh, <laughs> but you know, they didn't get the whole point was being in front of the store and everybody walked by said, buy two keys, get one free. That was a whole pitch. Buy two keys, get one free. People was like, oh, okay, I need to get see. But they ended up buying new machines, put in the back of the store unmanned and the, the, they made a lot less money. So it was a lose-lose for everyone. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, I was, I was back broke. But again, like uh, Think and Grow Rich says, you know, through every adversity is a seed of equal greater benefits. So. I just uh, decided to find my next business that ended up making me a lot more money than the key centers would ever. Whatever. A lot more money. You're 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 at 23. I think it's 20 or 24. You were already worth 50 million dollars. Yeah, yeah, and that was also by just talking to everybody, finding a need, and 
So I was back uh, homeless again, and I was because I invested all my money in the key center. So when it, they sh- shut it down, I just I, I had no money left because I was just using the money to grow. And I walked by and I saw this guy in, uh, in, a, in a body shop who, who was just, uh, he had a lot of cars being fixed. And I asked, what, what do you do? He says, well, I buy a car from one auction and fix it and sell another auction, make money. So I said, well, I could do that. So um, again, that's where my next principle came is you can make money, you make more money and accelerate by using other people's money. And, and that's where I used other people's money at that's the first time when I, I remember a guy who had one of their stores, he was a police officer supporting six kids, had three jobs, and I, and I offered him the, the deal, you know, you put up the money, you hold the title, I'll fix the cars, do all the work, and we'll split 50-50. And so I started first in the wholesaling cars, but then uh, I, I was a little too aggressive. Also had to learn some things about the total titles and stuff. But on my last truck, again, it was like I spent way too much and uh, and adversity, see the equal greater benefit. This guy was looking at the van and I talked to him and said, no, I'm not interested in the van, uh, but I'm looking for van shells. And because the uh, custom vans were really big then, we wanted, it was a big shortage of van shells. So, so I said, I could do that. So I went around and... Uh, and started finding fan shells for him, bringing him, giving him six, uh, uh, got $600 a van. But then every time I, I would take one of his vans because I would drop off and went to, into Tampa, the dealerships would buy them right away. And I saw they were making like six, $7,000 a van. They were so making said, the money. They were making money. So I said, I need to own a dealership. And that's another principle I put in there. You know, you got to think of who benefits from you succeeding. And if you figure out who benefits from you succeeding, then you, then you can approach them and it's, a, it's, a, it's an easier sell. So I thought about it and thought about it. And then at the end, I figured out that the guy who's building the vans instead of running around selling vans everywhere would benefit me having a dealership. So I went to him and took a lot of rejection again, but he gave me the first million to open up the first dealership. And, and within a year, I had six dealerships across Florida and uh, insurance companies and stuff. So I built a net worth about 50 million by that time. Um, I, you know, I, maybe it's not ironic, but maybe it's on purpose that you share your keys to to an extraordinary life and extraordinary success, um, throughout the book. And for everyone listening, if you've read Think and Grow Rich, um, obviously, hopefully you've read it multiple times. What, what Ramey does in his book through his storytelling is he splits that up with these anecdotal keys to extraordinary living and basically his take on the principles. And then he adds to it. I have rarely seen, in fact, I've never seen somebody be able to add to Napoleon Hill's work and the way that you've done it and be so aligned with it that I think it actually improves upon what he kind of left us with by adding more keys to it. So that's what I thought was brilliant throughout it. It's what a lot of the notes and highlights I have here. Um, came from one of them was mix what you want with intense emotions in order to drive you to even greater success. Yeah. So adopting that feeling and that belief uh, so, so intensely that you emotionally are vested into it. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that was one of the most important keys. By the way, is, is there too much glare? I can move to her. It is a lot of glare, but yeah. okay. It, I'm going to move. It, there's also, uh, it's okay. So, so this is also be on audio and everyone's listening to it on podcasts. Okay, great. There's a lot less there. Yeah, that, that was one of the biggest principles that I ever uh, uh, that picked up is a lot of people can want something, wish for something, yeah. but it doesn't do anything because it'll give up the first sign of, uh, of any adversity. But, but building that, that, 
that burning desire behind it yeah. lets you keep on going no matter what. And I learned that pretty early because in, in the book, even I, because I ended up in Florida, I, I went and saw uh, the Coral Castle, which was a really interesting experience. Because you kind a of picture cemented, of it in the book. <clears throat> yeah, because it cemented the idea because this is a guy who was four foot nine. I fell in love with this girl. She leaves him uh, before the, the day before they get married. And he gets in so much pain and he's so depressed. But emotion is emotion. It could be pain. It could be love, sex, whatever it is. Emotion is emotion. So he was in so much pain and he thought if he could build a castle, he could win her back. So he spent his life building this castle that nobody knows how he built this castle. I mean, the smallest uh, stone is two tons. The door is 20 tons, perfectly pivoted. Oh he had gosh. no tools. Nobody saw him how to work. And it didn't happen like 3,000 years ago. This is like 50, 60 years ago. So I went there and saw the castle. And even other people were looking at it as tourists. But it hit me. It's true. If you mix with enough emotion, you can accomplish that. And if he can build this castle... You know, money is everywhere. I can make as much money as I want. So, so I realized. So every time I had a goal, I would just feel emotion, mix it with a lot of emotion, and build a really strong burning desire, and then go after it. Because then your eyes open up. You see the ways of doing it. Just like he found a way to probably levitation or something. Uh, yeah. But but your mind starts uh, starts opening up and thinking faster or more wide it's, it's almost like the universe has all the information and you're a radio station and when you mix it with emotion you, you're, you start tuning into the station of where you want to go so that's why i use the emotional part because if you just sit there and say okay oh i wish i had a million dollars that's it but if you really have emotion and, and and it keeps you up at night and you're thinking about it it's just like if you think about like when you met your wife you you, you fell in love with her and you were really emotional and you chased her. I don't know how long it took you to win her over, but Too you long. thought it was a lot of great ideas to win her over until she, you finally won her over. Yeah. So it's using that same kind of principle, but in business, having that same kind of emotion and intensity also. I'm still chasing around the house, Remy. <laughs> yeah, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> Although not as much as I used to, nine children. Yeah. Um, okay, so... Let's keep moving. Let's fast forward a little bit. You end up um, starting a, a media company. You take that public. You you were helping uh, John Gray with his Men, or Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus book launch. You were a big piece of that success, and he credits you and endorses you and this book I saw as well. And you know, so I, I know I'm fast forwarding to some really highlights of, of your story. But then 9/11 hits. Tell everyone what happens. Well, 9/11 hits. You know, I, I I first. <laughs> There's a big important part that we need to talk about Shogi, but we can go back after that. Anyway, oh, I yeah. built about a billion dollars by the time I was 32, and then I want to take a break, so I came to California, and I thought this is the best place to play. You have to play with a mansion, the stars and everything, but again, I meet John Gray, and I said, I can't just sit around, so I started that <laughs> business, and, and then I, I had another 75 projects I was just building, and I took a company public and took that to a billion dollars. And, uh, and then 9-11 hits, and that's when, uh, again, because I had an Arab name, Adnan Khashoggi owned 40% of the company, and, and, and uh, I don't know if anybody, if people remember this, but when 9-11 hit, the market actually shut down for two weeks, and there was a lot of panic. So I was, all my stock was tied up, uh, and all my money was tied up in the markets and, and stuff, so it collapses, and, and yeah. I lose everything I had in one, basically that one day. 9-11 kind of destroyed me. But at the same time, we were targets because we had Arab name. Khashoggi was known as Saudi arms dealer. So all of a sudden, the FBI agents were coming in, and, and then we were targets, and, and they're all thinking that we're terrorists or something else. And, 
And so I had to fight the government for seven years, uh, and they never ended up indicting me. I even put the letter in the book showing that they declined. But it was seven years of them offering, you know, take four years and you can go to jail for 100 years and yeah. 20 million attorney fees and fighting every single day with them. And they were nonstop and relentless, and I had the power of the government. But that's another reason why I think Grow Rich is really important, because it's not only for money, it's for everything. Like, yeah. I wouldn't have been able to fight that fight and win that battle if I didn't use every single principle that uh, – Napoleon Hill put on there because I was not going to give up and, uh, and and make a deal with him. I was just going to fight and win no matter what it took. You so, share in the book that your attorney said that you've seen in less than 2% of the cases, anyone come out of that the way that you did. Yeah. Uh, only, he's seen two letters issued in his whole career as a prosecutor and everything else. So, And most people make a deal because a lot of people live in fear. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, there's a lot of innocent people in jail. Would you rather take four years and make a deal or you'll spend over 100 years if you lose in court and the government wins 98%? And so to, to me, and you fought it. for me, yeah, I fought it because yeah. I, I, I don't live in fear and I knew that I didn't do anything wrong. So, yeah, an uh, amazing part of your story and overcoming adversity and, and how res- and speaks to the resilience that you have yeah. because you did make a comeback from that. But let us let's rewind a little bit because you, you mentioned Adman uh, there uh, briefly yeah. and you share in the book how you're essentially at home watching Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, uh, a right. great show. Um with Robin Leach, um, how did that inspire you and how did that lead to that relationship? Let's talk about that. Uh, well, I was watching, it was my favorite show at the time too, because, you know, I was into the lifestyle and I thought I had it made. I mean, <laughs> I had $50 million, I had the best uh, sports car, the best house in Tampa. I was living large and I invited a few friends and watching Lifestyles of Rich and Famous. And it was the only time and the first time they ever put out a one-hour special on anybody. And it was the richest man in the world at the time, Adnan Khashoggi. And they were showing his lifestyle. And it was great. He had 35 homes, you know, seven jets and a yacht and, and all that. But that wasn't the part that really impressed me. It was his $12 billion deals here, multi-billion. He was a head of state without a state traveling the world, making billion-dollar deals and was more, more powerful than almost any head of state. He knew every president. And then I realized after I finished watching this is who I wanted to be. You know, I said, I stopped short of my goal. It made me feel like I had nothing. And, I mean, you, and you were complacent. In the 80s yeah. was a lot, but it still made me feel like, wow, I got nothing compared to this guy. And again, I think don't procrastinate. I just told everybody that was watching, I'm going to be working with this man one day. And they all laughed at me and everything. But I like, when people doubt me. So within two weeks, I sold everything I had at a fire sale. It probably at, at a quarter of what it was worth. And then I went looking for him and make long short short took me two years to finally find somebody that, that knew him. And then, and then it took me another, once I met him, it took me another two years to convince me to convince him to let me work with him. So it was a four year, uh, <laughs> drive to get, get to get to know with a thousand rejections. But <laughs> By the age 32, I was worth a billion dollars because of them. So I achieved what I wanted. I traveled the world. I met every head of state, you know, and I ended up with my own airplane because when I got on this plane. So I became a lot like him. And, and, and it's, it's interesting. You, you could believe I was saying, OK, a billion dollars is great and stuff. But until you really believe it and see it and live it, then you're really convinced. Like when I first saw Adnan in his apartment and then started having dinners with other billionaires and everything, the billionaire mindset then started setting in and said, oh, this is not just a dream or hope or only for a few people. These guys can do it. I can do it uh, kind of thing. And I didn't see, think they were that much smarter than I was either. I mean, I was just 
I started negotiating with them and I was out negotiating them and deals and stuff and, and it got me to where I totally believe that this is just the, the way life is. So you're only just like the book says, the only limitations you have is the limits you put on yourself. So, right. uh, uh, so it's, uh, so I, I removed those limits too. Before it was in the millions, I removed the billion dollar limits and that's what uh, people do a lot. They put the limits on themselves a lot. Uh, and you become what you think of most of the time. And I put it in the book. Like if you were, if you're a doctor, I gotta say, you, you go to medicine uh, school, uh, medicine, study medicine, do residency, study journal, treat patients, you know, then you're a doctor, you know, you, you, then you have blinders, which is you're going to earn whatever it's 750 a year or whatever doctors earn and you don't have blinders. You don't see other opportunities. So, so you, be, you are a doctor. If you're a waitress and thinking that you're going to make $500 a week and that's all you, you're limited to, that's all you're going to be. So whatever you think of most of the time is what you're going to become. So I decided to always think most of the time of finding opportunities and creating great wealth. So it's very important to change the way you think if you're going to change your life. I love that you know that you you had million dollar limits and they had billion dollar limits. Right. And people don't always think like that, and I think that's really profound. You um, you hinted to this a minute ago also, and you and it's one of your principles. Um, I, I and I highlighted it and typed it up. It says discard doubt, but do not discard those who have helped you and believed in you. Right. So when you were when you lost it all and regained it all, when you were trying to pursue you know this relationship to be Adman's right hand and be able to uh, model what he was doing for you know successfully and be able to turn that into your own success, did you have some did you have some haters, some doubters, some people who didn't think you'd be able to do it? Oh, every step of the way, people don't believe I, I was going to be able to do it. And, uh, and the people that did help, I, I took care of. I mean, there was one guy when I was uh, totally homeless, when I was 15, 16, helped me a little bit, took me to uh, yeah. Piccadilly. 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 Yeah, for, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for about a month. I've and, eaten at Piccadilly, so I know. Yeah. I ended up owning that chain of restaurants. Was I can't believe that. <laughs> it was a cool thing to I do. Mean, last time I ate there, I was in my young 20s. And... Uh, I want to say it was Atlanta or Florida, but um, yeah, when, I read, when I read that in the book, it took me back to that age going, I love that. It's huge cafeteria style, a little yeah. higher in though, but really <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, it was great. And, and you, then, you ended up owning and selling it, yeah? Yeah, I, I bought it in 1994 or during the whole battle. <laughs> the, yeah. 2004, sorry. But, 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 but Earl Ferris was a guy, you know, I took care of, because he helped me for a month, I took care of him for the rest of his life until he died. Uh, and then, like, John Gray, who helped me when, when I went down this last time, you know, you know, bottom of that, I take care of people that, that do help you. You can't forget. You have to give back. So I don't ever forget the people that do help me along the way. Yeah. Again, there's very few. <laughs> a lot of people have, <laughs> don't think, they think about themselves. They don't like helping other people. They're more self-centered. So it's hard to find. But when they, you do, you gotta, you got to keep them uh, close. I also, there's, um, you, you know, you talk about in the book how you learn pain is usually a greater motivator than gain. Um, and, but you write, uh, make your hope of gain greater than your fear of loss. Talk to right. us about that. <clears throat> yeah. That I how, how do people restore hope when they are, you know, maybe a little bit overwhelmed with some fear? How do they do that? Yeah, th that, that is a complete shift of mindset, which I, I, I learned. And I learned that pretty early on also. I was invited to this uh, network marketing. Uh, this guy called Glenn Turner had yeah. dared to be great back in the early 80s or something. <laughs> but he was really the father of the help, uh, self, uh, MLM movement and stuff. Yeah. 
Anyway, so he did this chart, and he was showing me how how, how when how, this is how everybody starts in their life. At eighteen, you get the, your first car, and then by by twenty, you move out, and you get a, your furniture and your apartment. So you get it now. You have to work to pay for these things, and you don't have a fear of losing. You meet, meet Miss Susie Wright at twenty three. You get married, second car, a house, a kids, and now you're working day in and day out because you don't lose the, the small things that you have. So that fear of losing, you'll stay in that job. And, and and then you're working nine to five, live for the weekends. And then uh, once a year you have a vacation and you do this day in, day out till you're 65 or however old now you retire a lot later. But back then it was 65. And the average person lived two years after retirement and you get a gold watch and that was it. And I saw that picture and I said, no way, I, I'd rather be totally broke uh, or have an expert life. I was not going to live a, a mediocre life. So I knew I had to reverse to where I should have to live with no fear. I can't be afraid of losing the things that I have. So, so he, most people are afraid to lose their house or, or the, the family or, or the, not support their family or kids, which is great. And, but I wanted to live something different. So I was willing to risk everything. Like, just like when I sold my businesses, I had no guarantee I was going to find Adnan Khashoggi, but I sold a chain of dealerships that were growing in 50 million. I was going to risk it all to, to achieve my goal. Every time I went after, I risked everything. And that's part of inside of uh, thinking go rich about burning your ships. You yeah. got to burn your ships because it gives you no, no choice but to go to succeed. But you can't be afraid uh, of doing it. That's where a lot of people are at. They're afraid of, okay, I'm, I, I can't do that. I can't lose what I have. I can't, I need a backstop. What happens if it doesn't work? But when you start thinking that way, how do you build that drive? How do you not stop when, it, when, it, when things get tough? You know, that's the only way you, you, you achieve these things because you, you, you don't, you're not afraid. How do I not fight the government? And I could lose, a, I could face a hundred years. I could take this four years. If I had fear of that hundred years, I'd take that four years. So it's, so it's really just living without fear, but, Remarkable. but it buys you on top of the benefit of it, it buys you a freedom. It's amazing how free you feel when you don't live with fear. And I can walk in Skid Row and, and walk around and not be afraid anything's going to happen. And your attitude carries you and nothing, nothing happens to you. So it's like I couldn't win the love of my life if I, didn't, if I had fear, you know, too, too young, too, uh, too good or whatever. It's just living with fear cripples you and limits you. So getting, getting rid of fear kind of opens up the door for everything. I, I love this. This is um, brilliant, Ramey. You you also started a company that uh, Yayo that right. um, would buy cars and then rent them to Uber and Lyft. Right. Um, Uber and Lyft drivers who couldn't afford the newer cars that they would have to have right. in order to be able to um, to do that. But it was right. that was really um, a uh, a time when you were able to also pivot that company. And I think this lesson of how you pivoted that company and how it ultimately took off um, exponentially <laughs> took off um, speaks a lot to this mindset because most people, they hit certain walls, they give up, they quit. That idea didn't work. <clears throat> they don't give it the time to push it through or the, the way to work around an idea. Cause right. you started multiple businesses that the business idea you started with wasn't actually what the business turned into. Right. So how you have to learn how to shift. So, so how the reason why I started that company, 
is was to do a meta search app like a kayak of all the apps that uber lyft taxis and stuff but i and i raised money and i was building it and then i found that uber and lyft they want to share their apis which to integrate to make the app work and i was a year down the road and spent millions of dollars and then i just uh, it was a hard stop, so I just didn't want the investors to lose money. So I just said, okay, what can I do that the Uber Lyft does need? And they needed drivers with cars. So I pivoted and shifted and started buying cars and running into uh, to drivers who wanted to work with Uber and Lyft. And, uh, and that grew, and then I took that public. But that, that was another battle. Again, everything is because I left my South Wales. I worked really hard. It was a two years because of, of how I got delisted back uh, on the Genesis Intermediate days. It took two years for them to list me when it usually takes three months. I had to go back to Washington three times, fight with them, <laughs> give me rejection, make me jump over things over and over until I finally got listed. And it, it's just uh, it's just a pure battle with everything. But uh, I will also step back about what happened beforehand also before that company. And then I have all these other companies that I'm building now. But it's uh, but uh, again, I think the most interesting part of the book is really the last part of the book about how I went I, because it's one thing to make a billion dollars or make a lot of money and lo- but but most people after they lose it they, they don't come back and I, and I want to show that you could do it over and over just if you have that mindset. Like I said, I don't know if I've ever met anybody more extraordinarily resilient as you to be able to bounce back. I I, um, I had a person compliment me when I was younger and they, they complimented me with how resilient I was uh, in sales and in the business I was working in. And uh, that I really took that to heart because I think that's one of the toughest things to learn. And so yeah. you, you, you teach it throughout your book. Every single chapter is, has lessons of uh, overcoming adversity. And you have something in your book where you said adversity is never permanent. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that's what stops people. They think that it is. They don't think it's going to end unless they stop or give up. Yeah. And, and that's case, when it becomes permanent. When you, it's just, when you make, it, make a decision, it's permanent. Yeah. So what do you say to somebody right now who feels really stuck, like they're spinning their wheels, they're on a hamster cage, they're not sure how to get off? What advice would you give them? You know, it's, 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 it just changes the way you're saying it. You're, you're probably thinking of that problem way too much. I mean, one of the things that, that we have in the uh, uh, touch upon, which again, I said the last part of the book, is when I ended up uh, totally uh, uh, fighting the government and I lost all the money and everything, I was once again back homeless. And on top of that, I was saying in the book that uh, these doctors thought I should be an antidepressant because I'm finding the government to deal with it better. So I was on a script happy doctor that wrote me way too many prescriptions and made my mind work less than 5% of uh, its capacity. And so as I'm finding the government and everything, when it was all done, I was back in the streets. I had $21. I even, this one I'm saying, even death doesn't stop you. Uh, I took too many pills that one night and I ended up uh, actually dying. I mean, I was dead yeah. for 20 minutes for two days. I was on machines. Didn't know if I was going to come back or not. And then when I, uh, when I was released from the hospital, I was in the streets, $21. And I decided, okay. <laughs> I need to build back up. But the good thing is I, I decided to take three months and cut Coke, Turkey, all those pills. And I was, people thought I was insane uh, because I was on the streets kind of nuts. It put me in a mental institution three times during that three months. But at the end of the three months, those withdrawals were gone. And I was back to thinking the way I was uh, when I was building all that. And I knew what I, was, I could do. And I gave myself a time limit of five years. I was going to build back everything I had and more. And 
And that's, so I was totally clear and I borrowed $10,000 from John Gray. And from that, I was able to just, just get it rolling, get some ideas going, start raising money. And now I have, you know, half a dozen companies. I have my, it's one of the most expensive jets and back, I got my house back and, and I'm, I'm now bigger than I ever was and, and still growing and going to have in the future. So it's basically just, there's nothing that really can stop you if you just make up that decision of, of, I'm not going to be stuck there. Look for other things. You know, if, 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 there's no problem that's big, that's big enough. Like I've had every excuse, every problem there was and everything else. I just thought beyond that i just said okay what do i want to attract what do i want build a burning desire behind it and then look for the opportunities to achieve those things because it doesn't matter all these little problems people have and they get stuck on it's just it just because that's what they're thinking most of the time so they're stuck there so now they got to change the way they're thinking and think about something else what they really want and then all those little things kind of will just drop drop away and they'll find ways of solving that problem i mean the solutions will come and they'll find the opportunities that they need to 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 grab hold on Ramey, there, there's so much to unpack in what you just went through thank you so much for sharing that so i i want to go back a little bit so there's mm-hmm. a picture in the book everyone mm-hmm. of Ramey on the street barefoot holding a $20 bill and a $1 bill kind of crumpled together. I think that's what the picture look, was. It was right. a His book illuminates this story, unlike you can believe, because he adds in the anecdotal annotations <clears throat> of his own keys to an extraordinary life to complement and supplement quotes in the book from Napoleon Hill. The story he tells chapter to chapter strings together these lessons you're hearing him share here and how he used the mindsets of Napoleon Hill to come back, to have this comeback story over. It's not just a comeback story. These are comeback stories um, that Ramey has. And uh, almost, you know, there's a picture of you <clears throat> laying in the hospital bed or laying in the, in the, the gurney uh, dead, basically. Uh, right. Like you should be flatlined for 20 minutes. It's also important to note the doctor who... Uh, was a happy, you know, happy to prescribe whatever, you know, over overdoses worth of medicine here, lost his license, right? right? No longer is practicing. And um, what everything you heard here was he saw this adversity as temporary and just kept yeah. always thinking that even though there, I'm in this situation, there's going to be a way out. That yeah. thinking, that ability, that mindset that you've honed through your study of Napoleon Hill, but more importantly, your practice of it. I think there's a lot of people who have read Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich, and, the, and, and he's created a lot of millionaires from that book, but not a lot of people can apply it like you have over and over again and still be as optimistic as you are. You are relentlessly optimistic, and, uh, and, and I know that comes from, uh, from you, know, you applying this stuff in your own life. It's amazing. But- well, the great thing about Napoleon Hill's work, it's based on truth. And truth lasts the test of time. That's why yeah. after 100 years, it's still one of the best-selling books uh, in the self-help arena. Yeah. So it's all he, – he took 20 years to put that book together, you know, yeah. and, and it's gold. And it's all based on truth. So you apply these things, and they actually do work. And once you start applying some of these principles and you see it succeed, then you have more confidence to apply the others. And success does kind of beget success, and, and you have more confidence in, the, in living that way way 
but actually, you know, those pictures you were talking about, I actually took a lot of those pictures on purpose because I knew I was going to, I was going to succeed and I wanted to ha document where I was at and where I was going to do. And I even have some videos that I didn't share with, but I taped some of the things that I said. And, and even when I was 13, I remember, and I can't seem to get hold of it, but the, but the guy doesn't want to give it to me, but I taped also at 13 where I was going to be at. At 13 years old, I recorded everything where I said, I'm going to be at this level uh, in my life. So, so Amazing. I always knew it and I saw it in my mind. And, and that's why when I took those pictures, I said, I know in five years, it's very, and the point is, says set a time limit. It's very important or I'll just kind of drag it on that can get it all back. So I wanted to document how broke I was. So like this, when I do get it back, people will believe it. That, that, that did happen because I could go broke tomorrow again. You could take me any part of the world. Six months later, I'll have all the money in the world again. It's just, it's, it's uh, money is really one of the easy things to make is if you believe it. The thing is just, you have to believe it. Yeah. And you have to believe it at an intense emotional level that you yeah. spoke of earlier. Yeah. And, and Ramey, now you're, wish, I wish our hope. Yeah. And now you're, you're, um, yeah, not only are you back, you're building, uh, uh, a billion dollar business and your own new enterprises and making deals uh, on your way to making more deals around the world. I think yeah. paying homage to Adman, you know, uh, really well. And, and uh, tell us a little bit more about what the future holds for you. Well, definitely. Uh, right now, uh, my main company, and I do have a show in Vegas, but my main company is called EV Mobility. So we're putting these Teslas in apartment buildings and hotels as an amenity. So people can just use the app and just uh, go down there and just use the car at $25 for the first hour, four or five cents a minute. And, and we're signing up a whole bunch of REITs. So we'll be in thousands of buildings, 20,000. And right now, is everything going EV? That's a company easily in the next year or two I could sell for three, four billion dollars or something. So cool. And so we're working on a lot of other projects. I come up with new ideas. I don't. I sleep two, three hours a night, and I think of new ideas. I can't ex execute on every single one of them uh, because I just don't have enough time. But uh, we're working on building a desalinization plant in Africa. So uh, because I have a shortage of water again, it's all needs, and and you're filling it, uh, and so it's. It just, I have no idea where I'm going to be at in five years from now, but I know it's a lot more. I don't know what businesses I'll be at. There's almost every business I've been in, I thought of it that day then started because I execute right away. So I know there's going to be a whole bunch of new things going to come up and I'm just going to execute and just, yeah. just, uh, just do it. And, One of my uh, favorite pictures of the book, Ramey, is you're sitting outside. I'm, I can't remember the backdrop, but I remember you specifically have like a note, a notepad, pages yeah. flipped over, writing on the notepad and, and the, uh, and underneath it, it says, always strategizing, always creating. Right. That, that image is implanted in my head. And there's a couple of reasons. I had listened to a Seinfeld, uh, a podcast with Seinfeld on there. And he was talking about how he used notepads for creating. And he wrote all of his episodes of Seinfeld on a yellow pad, um, which I thought was amazing. Never did any of it on a computer. Right. Um, but uh, that made me feel good because I have notepads all over my yeah. desk and everywhere. I'm like, so if my wife yells at me about all these notebooks I have, I say, listen, I'm always creating, I'm always strategizing according to Ramey. So um, I love that. Even, even the images, the pictures, the documentation of your, of your life along this way, this journey uh, yeah. is inspiring. And uh, I hope that you will come back on the show sometime. Uh, if you guys have not uh, already picked up a copy of the book. This this is a must-have. It's called uh, Can You Really Think and Grow Rich is the name of the book. Um, I have it on my Kindle here, and I have a hard copy on the way. I just didn't want to wait to read it and wanted to get it read. Um, I felt like I was um, – you said something in the book where you said 
a person, I mentioned this at the beginning of the show, won't be the same person at the end of reading the book as they were at the beginning, and that is most certainly true. Um, thank you for writing this book. I think it's needed. Yeah, no, you're welcome. I just want to add a, a couple really quick things. About the notepad, it is better than a notepad because there's no way I could type as fast in my mind and thinking. I, sometimes once I'm done writing all my ideas, I can't even read my handwritten because I've gone so fast. But, <laughs> but, I, but I get enough of it. And what's really good is I really do encourage if nobody read Think and Grow Rich to also read that book because this is a good foundation. Then my book kind of takes it to the ne- next level. And even uh, which I, I'm yeah. sure you you've seen the emails so even don green who's a ceo of the napoleon hill foundation endorses the book and he's been helping a lot on their websites on their facebook because he feels you know part of the interview that i took napoleon hill's work to one extra level he fi- i finally somebody totally proved out his work because uh and that's what, what what i've done i was able to immerse myself and proved out his what napoleon hill's research was over and over again and they're a big supporter and it's, it's, it's good, really good to have their endorsement and their backing and 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 that's like where you're at you can buy the book and uh you could also buy it on Amazon, but but the problem was what's going on with all these shortages. Amazon takes two to three weeks to deliver because of the shortage of paper. Yes. So I had the books printed and everything, so it's so we could fulfill it. So you could have the book in two days. So and- if you if you order off off of Ramy's site here, this URL, you'll have it in two days because. You started your own publishing company. Yeah, too. Might, might as well. And I just printed the books <laughs> and it's selling. But it was Amazon. Because when I put it on Amazon, I saw it was two, three weeks. I said, nobody's going to want to wait two, three weeks to, uh, <laughs> to to get a book. So there's an ebook on Amazon. But on my site, uh, the ebook will be live. And also, there'll be an audio book live on my site and Amazon also. But through so my site. And also, if you want to, this is just a, a, f- a fun thing, is uh, I put a registration page. So anybody who register, uh, you know, we're going to do a drawing like once every two or three months and they get to go on my plane and spend, spend a few hours with me and we could talk personally and just uh, fly around. And it depends where we're going to go. I don't know what part of the world we'll be going at that time, but uh, we'll spend some time and, and we could have some a personal talk with whoever kind of registered. I thought that would be a fun thing to do. Ramey, you're amazing. And I, I never more congruently meant that word before. Amazing. Thank you Thank for you. inspiring uh, this group, this audience. You've seen some of the comments of people popping up here. If you're listening to this, go to can you really think and grow just like it sounds, uh, and pick up a copy of the book. Get registered so you can have a possible opportunity to be on Ramey's jet. But more importantly, thanks for just pouring out to us today. I know you're one of the busiest people literally in the world. Uh, we went over our time. I hope you're going to forgive me for that. I'm going to have to no, a few of uh, uh, some, some things, but we really appreciate you. And I know this message needs to get out there. I'm going to do my best to help. If you're on this, you're listening to this podcast, share it out, review it. If you're watching this live on YouTube or LinkedIn or Facebook, share it out so we can spread the message. Because a lot of people, especially now in turbulent times, people need this book. This book doesn't just lift you up. This book uh, gives you the fuel to, to and, and an inspiration to actually take the action steps that Napoleon Hill so, so uh, you know much preaches in his book and and Ramey brings it to life in the book. So I love it and uh, love you for being with us. Thank you. No, my pleasure. Thank you, Jeff. And I'll be right back with you. Everybody else, we'll see you guys next week on the Not Your Average Joe Show. How many of you agree? Right, I agree in the comments. If this was Not Your Average Joe with us today, thank you, everyone. 
Tune in next week for the Not Your Average Joe Show with international business mentor Joe Soto.